Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, today, we have two absolutely amazing athletes on the show. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk to Kira Antonucci and Abby Wessling all about their, I mean, there's no other, other way to say it, but they're like gritty, resilient, uh, absolutely incredible uh, recent FKT on the Rainier Infinity Loop. Uh, and we'll get into what that is and what that entails in the episode. And we'll kind of get to hear the ups and downs of that experience and the challenges that they ultimately overcame. Um, but I think more importantly, kind of the main theme or whatever that I wanted to focus on in this is talking about adventure partners um you know i think an adventure partner someone who can kind of put up with the ups and downs and and uh you know be positive when you're in a low moment and and vice versa uh and get you through these kind of like self-imposed hardships uh it's just an interesting dynamic, and I think Kieran and Abby, I mean, they seem like they are incredible adventure partners. They're very confident in each other um, and complement like, each other's strengths and weaknesses. So uh, I always just find that really interesting. Uh, I think, you know, like a partnership, uh, even in an adventure sport, it's all about communication and and just kind of making sure someone knows like the state that you're actually in in that moment. And and I think a lot of people struggle with that. And as a middle school leadership teacher <laughs> uh, for one of my classes, communication is like a huge aspect of it. So I'm always really curious when I can sit down and talk to, to people with these like real life challenging experiences like here in Abbey. So uh, let's get right into it though. I'm excited for this one. This one's awesome. Uh, this is episode 351 with Kira Antonucci and Abby Wesley. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today I'm joined uh, with two incredible athletes fresh off of uh, the Rainier Infinity Loop FKT, which is completely mind-blowing, and I'm so excited to like dive into that with you both. Um, Abby Wesling and Kira Antonucci. Did I do it right? Yeah, perfect. I had to do the hand thing, you know. <laughs> um, awesome. Welcome to the show. I'm very excited to talk to you both. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. I got to start with this. Have you talked to each other much since finishing this FKT? Is this like the first time reuniting? We've talked a little bit, um, but Kira went back to Colorado pretty immediately after we finished, like the, the day after. Yep. It was the day after and two days after we finished, I had like a pre-scheduled surgery. So I've now been, it's been a week and a little bit, but I've been like on drugs and, you know, just like sleeping constantly a thousand, a thousand different naps, um, which is one way to recover from an objective like the infinity loop, but I probably wouldn't do it this way again. The drive back to Colorado was pretty brutal. I can't even imagine like doing this thing where you're on your feet for as long as you all were and then driving like however 18 hours or whatever it was 
it was pretty brutal. <laughs> That's insane. And also, yeah, recovery process uh, via surgery is probably a, a strange one. A little bit. Yeah. And definitely nice. I mean, like it's an excuse to just sleep, you know, all of those hours that we missed while we were climbing, but uh, it's definitely been, it's been nice to catch up with Abby, you know, the couple times that we've talked, but a little bit weird to like not have more time to debrief everything, yeah. especially like in person. And when we originally planned it, you know, had weather lined up a little bit differently, we would have had a day or two more of me in Washington, just chilling. Yeah. Um, but because weather pushed us towards the end of our window, it was like pretty immediate having to get out of there. Yeah. I definitely think like the debriefing part of an adventure like this is so huge. And I'm just curious because you're only a few weeks out. Like, have you had time to like process like what this means to you? I think that, I mean, I've personally had time to process what it means to, to me. I still think I'm processing what we did. It doesn't, it still doesn't feel real. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you said that perfectly, Abby. I think it's also hard, like really, I mean, like we talked a little bit, our, both of our feet like swelled up like ridiculously, um, which was not something that we had really accounted for or thought about happening. Um, and but other than that, like my muscles didn't hurt. My knees haven't hurt. Like I haven't had a lot of like lasting reminders yeah. of what we've done. Um, so it's been, yeah, like why we did it and like the accomplishment, I guess I've processed a little bit, but probably not to the full extent because it's like it faded physically quicker yeah. than I was expecting. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I'm. Can you kind of just give people an idea if they are unfamiliar as to what the Rainier Infinity Loop is? Can you just kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so the Rainier Infinity Loop um, ascends Mount Rainier twice and goes around the entire mountain via the Wonderland Trail. Um, it was an idea thought up by Chad Kellogg, who is a Seattle climber um, who passed away before he ever got to attempt the objective and um, kind of remained as something that people could go and do yeah. um, just as the idea. And um, yeah, we just had decided to give it a go. <laughs> is it something like amongst the adventure community out there? Is it, is it like, I don't know. I don't want to say like a trophy because that always sounds weird to me. I'm like, oh, like, you know what I mean? But it's like an accomplishment that people talk about out there that, you know, is it is it kind of like something that's like way up there on like, that's insane. Because to me right now out here in Colorado, that just sounds crazy to me. I think it's I mean, I, I think that for a certain group of people, it is kind of that like pinnacle adventure. Um, Abby and I don't like run with that crowd like yeah. Jason for example has like recently become one of our friends and maybe potential adventure partner but before this I would have never approached him via anything nor expected a response and same thing with like Caitlin Gerben or Alex Boresk who like were the first women to complete the infinity loop um but we are both in the guiding industry and so it's and we both yeah. guide off very near so I think okay that and like kind of how we got the idea was our first season guiding on Rainier um, was when Caitlin and Alex completed the first female uh, FKT. Yeah. And so I think that like, 
you know, it's something that's talked about in our community and kind of, we kind of joke about it. Like, oh yeah, like the infinity loop, like we're going to do it after work or like something like that. And then, and then Abby and I like kind of did do it after work. <laughs> you know, we like, planned for it, but it was like a little bit, uh, it was a little after work style. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, I mean, so it's summoning it twice, which is awesome and just kind of mind blowing. Um, but it's also going all the way around it. Are you used to that kind of like mileage? We were not used to the mileage. No, neither of us. I think Kira had ran like 40 miles max beforehand. And the most that I had run was that 60 mile section from Paradise to White River last fall. And so, and I'd never ran further than that before. So neither of us were like, our ultra runners yeah. by trade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So was that kind of like, I don't know, the climbing versus the running, like what's the, like, how are those two areas different and how is it different in your guys specific adventure? Um, I mean, I think we're more familiar with the, the climbing piece of it. There's definitely more risk and hazard and decision-making that has to happen. Yeah. Um, so getting those out of the way early on, was important because of the sleep deprecation uh, yeah. factor. But yeah. I think that like overall, all, overall mileage, the lack of sleep, and then fueling our bodies, like eating became one of the biggest crux, cruxes for us. And then just our feet hurting also became a huge crux uh, for us. Because those are both things that we're not used to doing. I think there's like plenty of guides who know how to fuel themselves, but especially in like our uh, cohort of guides were used to running off of a candy bar, yeah. you know, not right near, like not eating a lot of food. And, um, this was a totally different experience because you're going for so long. You have to be eating continuously. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, okay. So I wanted to hear a couple of things. I, I have like some very like, um, broad, like broad questions, I guess about this experience. Um, but before I ask those, uh, adventure partners i think that's really important especially with this like how did you guys like how did you decide that this is the perfect person to take this on you know like how do you decide that and what qualities do, do did each of you bring to the table i think that kira and i had the experience together last year of like finally starting to go and climb together. We had worked together at RMI for five years, um, but hadn't gotten to climb together until last season. Yeah. And we went on a ski trip um, after our friend Luke passed. Um, and we were both experiencing anxiety about like different parts of that ski trip. Uh, and we were able to just calm each other down in ways that like I've never had with a partner before. Like when Kira was feeling um, anxious about something, then I was able to calm her down. And then she was able to do the same for me in a totally different scenario. And after that trip, we did a few more together. And, um, by the, by the end of that ski trip, we were like, we've never had a partnership in the mountains like this before. Like this is really special yeah. and we should do more together. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, we, I think we can both agree that like we had both been looking for some, someone for a long time that like fit that person. Um, and so it was like a no brainer of who, who to do this with. Yeah. Do you, 
well actually Kira what do you like how did you did you feel the same way or or what yeah absolutely I mean Abby and I have like talked about it a lot I think that it's in the outdoor industry you know in a lot of the movies and like growing up like we watched a lot of male mentorship partnership things be displayed on you know the big screen or the small screen if you're watching YouTube but it was something that was like always out of reach. And for a really long time, I looked for mentorship and partnership and couldn't really find it until I got like into more of a professional role. Then it was like, oh, well, you're a guide. Everyone wants to be my partner because I've got like all of these like, you know, safety certifications and, yeah. you know, you have the company. knowledge. Totally. Um, but I think to find something that felt so like picture perfect and kind of like, what a partnership in the mountains is supposed to feel like without any contingencies, right? It's like Abby and I like move really well together. Um, We communicate really well together. It's really comfortable when we want to be quiet. Like we don't have to talk about like, Hey, I've had a lot of like, you know, talking time. It's now time for us to be quiet. Um, If, and it's, and it's really like one of those partnerships where it feels like if I'm thinking something like Abby is going to finish my sentence um, in terms of like risk assessment hazard how we're going to mitigate or manage a certain section and area and then specifically on the infinity loop like i had a lot of like weird small things like a panic attack and puking and bloody noses and feet problems and like, all these like little things that abby like dealt with and calmed me down from it was like okay yeah. well i'm gonna like keep putting one foot in front of the other and then abby's afraid of the dark uh, because of a mountain lion incident, which is totally valid. Ooh, yeah. But it makes it hard. Like on the mountain, not a problem. But on the trail, we spent almost, if not more than half of the time in the dark um, on the trail. And, you know, managing that and how do we like keep moving through that or prevent yeah. fear from like creeping in um, was interesting, but it was also a non issue for us like we yeah. talked about it and then we just dealt with it yeah and so I think that's like yeah yeah well you all you hit on a bunch of things that i love to go back to um <laughs> i think one of the things though that i didn't even it's, it's it was really interesting because i didn't really consider this but with you having all of the knowledge and the safety certifications and the training it's almost like if the partnership wasn't equal and you weren't with somebody with also that knowledge and that training, it it almost wouldn't be fair, you know, like it wouldn't be a partnership. It would be, you would be the mentor taking someone out and they're just, it just seems like you both have this balance between you that really like pays off, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if an objective like this would be possible if it was like via mentorship. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we were just leading on each other so much throughout. Yeah, no, that's that's huge. And then I have to hear about the ski trip. What is this this ski trip where you both kind of, you know, discovered that you worked well together? Um, well, so last spring, we we have this like ongoing objective that like keeps getting pushed off because of weather windows. Um, but we ended up going into the enchantment zone and base camping in like the Mount Stewart um, Argonaut drainage yeah, and seeing a whole bunch of lines from there, just kind of, you know, one after the next. And especially on, I don't even remember the name of the, what was the line, Abby? What was the first one that we skied? 
the Sherpa Glacier Cooler. You just Thanks. proved to me that you are the partnership because she read your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but like on that one, you know, it was the first time that we were getting into like serious terrain. You know, it's yeah. glaciated. We're on skis. It's a very steep, very consequential line. And before we were even in it, we're like touring up and we take our skis off for a second because there was like some firm, really like steep snow. And I started sinking into a hole a hole of the yeah. sun it was like abby i'm falling into a crevasse and she looks up and there's trees above us and she's like we're not even at the glacier yet and i'm like i don't know what's happening i'm falling and it's like i'm slowly sinking into the snow and she's like talking to me like well can you get out like can you like, what's <laughs> going on and i'm like no i like there's just like air underneath me like i need you to, i need you to throw the rope on me like I'm going to like, I need to do something. And I like got myself on a little shelf. Abby dug herself um, like a little place to like sit and create an anchor for her body. And then she like tossed me the end of a rope. I was able to like coil it around myself and tie it off. And all I needed was like the confidence of the rope to like roll out of this hole. But it ended up being like a 15 foot depth core hole Whoa. that like was just bottomless and freaked me out. And at that point, like, you know, I was, my confidence was shook because I was like, we're not even in the steep consequential part yet. Yeah. And we just kind of took like a couple minutes to regroup and then just like kept going. And yeah. we like got to the top or as we we're like climbing it, I think we both had different moments where like, and this is kind of how our relationship goes. And it was a rain treat on the infinity loop. One of us is crying. The other one's laughing. And... <laughs> And it's a really nice balance. Um, sometimes you're just laughing at the situation. And a lot of times you're laughing at the person. Um, <laughs> the big fear that they're having in that moment. Uh -huh. um, but I think that like after skiing, even that just that one line, even though it like rained through for the whole trip, it was like we were getting a little bit of our confidence back after watching a really close friend pass away in a mountain accident. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit? I know just reading up a little bit on what you, you know, your why of doing the Rainier Infinity Loop. If you're comfortable, I would love to hear kind of what inspired you to do that. And, you know, the support of the American Alpine Climbing Grief Funds. Um, and I would love to hear a little bit about that as well. Yeah. So after our <clears throat> friend passed away last spring, um, both of us were kind of looking for some mental health help. Um, yeah. and I don't even know how we came across the climbing grief fund. Um, I don't remember how I came across it, but I, it might've been Kira mentioning it to me, but, yeah. <clears throat> um, I just found a therapist through the climbing grief fund and, um, I recommend like anyone in the outdoor industry, if they are looking for a therapist to consult that web page. Yeah. Um, even if they don't need like funding for, um, for therapy, just because the therapists that they recommend on that site, um, have experience like with mm -hmm. the outdoor industry and people that work in the outdoor industry. And so there's just a lot that you don't have to explain to them about like why we do the outdoor objectives that we do, um, yeah. and like how people have even gotten into these accidents in the first place or like the anxieties that we're feeling around these things. Cause they, they understand. Yeah. Um, and so after getting, um, some help through them, 
Um, it just it, fast forward a little bit. Um, it just felt like we should pay it forward. Yeah. And um, what better thing to do it than, than to kind of have this big objective that people would care about just because it's a big objective. And then also yeah. you, like utilize that um, like as a fundraising goal. And it's also something that like Luke would have been so excited about. Like um, I think that we both know, we both know that like Luke would have done the infinity loop and absolutely styled it. <laughs> we <laughs> joked about it like as we were doing it. Yeah. And, um, and so like doing it kind of felt like in honor of him as well as like for our community for the climbing grief fund. Yeah. Can people still uh, support that? I mean, is there a way for people if they're interested? Because I didn't even know about this until starting to research what you all accomplished. And I think it's incredible. And what you just said speaks true. Like, you know, you're going to want somebody who can understand this. Because sometimes, you know, if you tell people who are not into like outdoors adventure, like, you know, I'm sure you guys have, like, we're going to go do the rainier infinity loop they might not be able to comprehend why someone would do that you know and to be able to talk to somebody where it's you're able to relate to them i think that's probably a huge thing yeah our um gofundme and we can send you the link yeah please it's do. Also our, uh, instagram profiles will remain open until sometime this fall we're really okay. trying to raise as much money as we can for them. Um, Abby spoke a lot about like the different therapists and why that's important. Um, but I would just urge anyone who is looking for mental health help, um, yeah. if they are needing financial support, there's an application. It was the easiest application I've ever done. And it was approved within 24 hours. Um, I think they asked for 72, but yeah. pretty immediate access to mental health resources. And I know for myself, like I would not be where I am right now a year and a little bit later um if it wasn't for the therapist and the the fund that i got from from them yeah 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 well to also speak to just um when you guys talked talked about one person crying and one person laughing uh it's this yo-yoing and this is why i think a partnership is amazing because if you were out there alone trying to do this and you're having that really deep, dark moment, you're not going to have another person there to like bring you out of it. And I always just find that interesting. And I always wonder if it's through necessity, because I've had that with some of my friends before, too. Or, you know, like I parent my kids with my wife and it can be hard at times. And um, the, the times I'm stressed and having a hard moment, she's able to come in and and kind of lighten the mood and, and vice versa. So I just, I just thought that was a really interesting dynamic you guys brought up. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for Abby, I would have quit 15 minutes in. <laughs> All right. What happened 15 I, minutes in? I got to know. We were walking up the snow field. <laughs> I despise. It's not, it's not like the hardest part of the infinity loop, but I told Abby at the beginning, if I could make it up the snow field for the second time, we would finish the thing. And we did. Yeah. So, you yeah. spoke the truth then for sure. I don't um, know. It's a mental yeah. block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, also just knowing how much you have left. That's always a, a hard moment. 
Um, I want to hear just real quick about each of your outdoors background, like adventure background. Um, I read a little bit online, uh, so I might be wrong. So tell me if I'm wrong. But Abby, you summited Denali. I have, yeah, I've summited Denali twice. That's amazing. What was that experience like? Um, I was I was guiding both times. Uh, it was they were both great experiences. Um, like very uh, expedition style experiences, yeah. long long trips, um, like 20, 20 day trips out there. Um, yeah, but it was also for work. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird that has to be a weird dynamic is like you know you're you're there you have to be there but you're also doing this really incredible thing but then you also have all the responsibility how do you handle that um, well I think my first time it was definitely more of a learning experience and so it was a lot of like taking absolutely everything in um and so like fi figuring out like when I need to like be in the cook tent to boil the water and like yeah. make dinner and like how when I need to be like taking care of our climbers um and then even just like how to set up our rope with the sleds because we have to carry big backpacks and sleds full of gear um to climb that mountain and so um I think it's just like being able to enjoy where you're at but then also like know that I have to buckle down and like do the job that I'm there to do because my job is not to climb the mountain it's to get other people to the top of the mountain yeah yeah I'm I'm also a leadership teacher for middle schoolers and anytime I have really amazing human beings like you two on I have to ask what kind of leadership advice you would have to you know not necessarily just the seventh grader but just anybody like what kind of leadership lessons have you learned did you learn from denali from that experience um i think that just from guiding in general i've just yeah. learned that like y you have to rely on the people that you work with um and you have to fully you have to trust them and so um being able to like tell people what you need and take care of yourself is just as important um, as like being able to lead a group. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then Kira, I also, I mean, this is going to tie into the leadership thing too. So apologies, but I read that you, um, did you do the national outdoor leadership school? I did. Yeah. That's how I kind of got started in this all. So what is that? I don't even know what that school is. Can you kind of like, let me like tell me all about it so i can yeah. tell my seventh graders hey here's an option for the future go for it um so the national outdoor leadership school or knolls operates all over the united states and all over the world um and i got involved with them between high school and college i had no idea what i wanted to do and i took a gap year where i moved down to patagonia in chile for a full year and for the majority of that year i was on a knolls course Okay. where we we did like a sea kayaking expedition we did a mountaineering expedition we did a rock climbing like trip where we like helped establish a new climbing area we did homestay we got a wilderness first responder and it's with the same 16 people or 12 yeah. people i can't remember exactly how many people it was but you're traveling around and then you have these breaks where you get to travel by yourself or with people from your group and when i got back from that 
it was well, like the first thing that I, I went and did was I got my EMT license. Cause I was like, Hey, after taking the wilderness first responder, I really like medicine. I want to pursue this. And then after that, I was kind of like, I love expedition style outdoor trips. And I wasn't the most outdoorsy person. I like wore dresses every day, didn't wear, or didn't own a pair of pants in high school, um, which is kind of ridiculous and came back from that year. And was like, I'm going to make this my life. Um, And I was lucky enough to get invited on a Denali expedition with them the following year, um, which was my first um, expedition. But Knowles is really about teaching expedition style skills and outdoor skills. Yeah. It's a lot of soft skills. So you're focusing on how to give and receive feedback and how to live and like really how to coexist with other people in a small environment. Mm. So you have like tent groups and cook groups. So it's like, you got four people in a tent. Everyone has a different style. You know, some people might not have camped before and some people might be experts and you have to help each other out because you're on a 30 day section of sea kayaking and it's just torrentially downpouring. Like how does everyone stay dry? And then you're cooking. It's like some people don't like, you know, certain things and other people do like certain things, but you only have a certain amount of ration. So how are you going to share that with people and not get food stressed and kind of like let go of some of your picky habits maybe, or at least that was for me. (laughs) But there's a lot of, I don't know. I learned a lot in terms of leadership there and how to really how to communicate with other people effectively. Um, Because I do think that it's like a hard skill to learn. Yeah. and I don't think I would be as good as communicating as I am if it wasn't for the programs that I did through them. Yeah. What kind of hurdles in communication did you face? Um, getting really defensive, like, mm. like what I was passionate about, right? Like not yeah. being able to say, you know, why something was important to me or why I was frustrated about the way that somebody was talking to me. And then especially like on that course, and in real life, still face this challenge. Um, but being a young woman, I don't get paid attention to as much when I'm in a leadership position um, in certain circumstances. And so being able to advocate for myself or know how to kind of play the duality of like, my personality is fun and bubbly. All of my expeditions, you know, we had like we have cheers and team names and, you know, it's more of a summer camp style. I think it's really fun. It keeps it interesting for me. Yeah. And also if someone's not performing or something gets dangerous, I'm able to flip that switch without it coming across, you know, um, too aggressive or overly assertive, but still have people pay attention and know that it's serious and that they need to pay attention to me. Yeah. What, um, I guess what kind of advice can I give the girls in my class um about that because i think that is so important and i've faced this something similar with the whole idea of like you know as a teacher like it's all it's fun you know mr ward is gonna do his do his best to entertain and stuff but then there's moments where you do have to be like hey it's time to get to work you know it's time to get to business like what kind of like how can how can i communicate that to specifically the girls in my leadership class? Um, I would say that like a leadership style takes a lot of time to develop and understand. And ultimately you're going to learn a lot by listening to other people and pulling different tools 
from what they're doing and building your toolbox so you know what to use mm. when or you yeah. have different things at your disposal. Um, but along that line, like you can't fake another leadership style. So even though you might want to emulate someone's leadership style, there are going to be things that prevent you from doing it perfectly or copying it, you know, perfectly. And I, I would just say like embrace what you bring to the table as an individual and learn how to use whatever it is to your advantage. So for me, it's a little bit more of that like camp counselor team bonding style, you know, approach, which doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. And also doesn't work for every group. And I think being able to balance both of those things is something to pay attention to and, and learn, figure out. Yeah. Abby, what's your leadership style? It's definitely not summer campy. Um, <laughs> I love what Kira does, but I could not do what she does. Um, yeah, I, I definitely couldn't copy her leadership style, um, but I definitely relate to like the warm, bubbly personality and then like being assertive, like when you need to be. Um, yeah. And yeah. I've gotten I've gotten comments before someone this season called me a cyborg because I switched that flip really fast. And they were like, we were, we knew that you were like being serious because like your, your voice changed. <laughs> and, um, but I, I, then they were like, we knew that we needed to like listen to you and do yeah. um, what you were telling us like in that, in that moment, because it was serious. Um, yeah. And so I think that I just tried to find that line um, and like keep the trip as fun as it, as fun as it can be, um, life as fun as it can be. And then like, also just like be assertive when I, I need to be, because we all need to advocate for ourselves and like what we need. Yeah. That's almost probably a tool in the outdoor environment where you are able to change the tone of your voice to like, this is serious. This now is serious. And people can recognize that pretty instantly. I, don't yeah. know, I think that's probably a huge, like positive to have. It is. Yeah. And Abby and I work with like a whole bunch of younger guides as well. And I think that often, especially in the outdoor industry, I have a really loud voice. It's just, I've never been an indoor voice kind of person. Um, but oftentimes we get people and new hires who have softer voices and they get a lot of feedback that they need to be louder. Yeah. And it's not necessarily true. If you have a soft voice, you can get people to listen just by using it. Right? Yeah. People are going to like actually like physically move in closer to you and try to listen to what you're saying. And then you can raise your voice and make it louder and bigger when you need it to be. Yeah. No, I think that like the power of your voice and how you actually use it in a space was something that I wish somebody communicated with me sooner rather than just saying I had to be quieter. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, <laughs> that's how they communicated that to you. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you need an inside voice, Kira. I was like, I don't have one. I don't know what that means. Oh my gosh. I'm so guilty of that with my own kids. Probably. I'm like inside <laughs> voice guys. Come on. Uh, um, okay. So to bring us back to Rainier infinity loop, uh, I have three like broad ideas. Um, and I'm just really, so take it wherever you want to take it. Uh, we kind of already talked about this a little bit, so we'll start here if you want to add anything else, but how did that trail and this specific thing, which by the way, 145 miles and over 50,000 vert, that's correct. 
I think our final totals ended up being like 133 miles and 45,000 feet of vert. Still insane. Still insane. Uh, that's amazing. Um, so how did that, <laughs> that just long, long trail, how did that connect you both in, in a different way than you were connected before? They're like, we don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, right. like, they're like, no, we've like, talked too much <laughs> to each other at this point. No, I think that, I think that it just, I mean, I saw sides of Kira that I hadn't seen before. Um, when she was feeling really sick on the disappointment cleaver, I was like, we, we talked about it a little bit because she was like, I didn't think about how that would be scary for you because you hadn't seen that side of me before. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I was also like writing this fine line of like, do I push her or like, is it time to turn around? And ultimately like we kept going and it was fine. And I um, was, I gave her like a pep talk um, and on all was well. Um, but I think that like our, I think that our communication just got better. Like, from doing this like we we know so much more about each other now and like about how how we are at like the lowest lows um that I can only see this like making um other objectives in the mountains better totally I think I think one of those and we haven't really talked about this one that much we talked about it a little bit on the trail but I think a really good example of that is on our second descent of Mount Rainier it was dark by the time we got to the trail and I was wearing a pair of shoes that were completely blown out. It was just, it was kind of a, a dumb move in retrospect, but it happened. And, uh, my feet were killing me at this point. Um, and it was dark. So Abby started just moving cause she was able to like move faster than me. And there is this like pretty big stretch of space between us. It was never big enough where like, I couldn't see her light or she couldn't see my light, but I have this insane fear of being left behind, mm. which is like, comes from like being a kid. And so we get to the car and I was like, I was feeling ditched. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. And, you know, we set off the next morning, we like talked about it a little bit. And then the following night when it like became night again, at one point we're like walking and Abby asked to switch because she likes being in the front when it's dark. And so we switched and she looked at me and she goes, I will not leave you behind. I promise. And I was like, okay. And then we like, didn't have to talk about it. It was never an issue again. Yeah. Yeah. Abby, is that, um, is that related to the mountain lion thing or not? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I got to hear about like, that. If I could have someone in like in front of me and behind me, I would feel a lot better, <laughs> but I would rather have someone behind me. So I'm not like looking behind me all of the time. Mm, um, yeah. yeah. Which like when that mountain lion encounter happened, I was in front, like I was, it was dark and I saw its eyes. Um, and I was like, that is moving like a cat. Um, but I still feel more comfortable being in front despite that experience. <laughs> what, what was the, like, what happened in that? Um, I was, I was going into the Maroon Bells with a mm. friend. We were going to go and try and like run up North Maroon and then like come down and do part of the Maroon Belt or like the four pass loop. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was like the very start or maybe two miles from the trailhead that we parked at, like from Crested Butte. 
and um, we're like looking at, I'm looking at like the bushes and the trail ahead of me with my headlamp. And I just see these two eyes and it's like, they opened. It was like, I it was oh, sleeping up by the side of the trail terrifying. and I like woke it up or something. It was but, a like, grumpy I, I one. Attention. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's not a deer. Um, and so I immediately stopped and my partner's behind me and they're like, what, what's up? And I'm like, that is a mountain lion for sure. And then it moved and like, I had a small cat, like I know how cats move. It was just much bigger. Um, and it was still like looking at us and it was like trying to hide behind the bushes, but like, obviously a cat, it doesn't realize that it's like eyes are reflecting, um, and like giving away its location. Um, and my partner was like, uh, oh, can I like see? Can I like get closer? I was like, no, we need to like pick up a rock and walk backwards. Yeah. Um, and so we just ended up, he was like, can we like move like past it? And I was like, I'm not walking past a mountain lion. No, um, bad idea. And so we ended up walking backwards and it followed us almost all the way back to the trailhead. Um, and the only reason we knew is because like we caught its eyes below us we caught its eyes above us at one point and like we knew the difference there were also like some deer um further above us like once we were closer to the trailhead where that the mountain lion wasn't anymore and i was like those are deer that is a mountain yeah um yeah and so i've just been um spooked away from trail running alone like i did the four pass loop on my own um, at one point and I would never do it again on my own <laughs> after that experience. Um, yeah, so I definitely don't trail run or try not to trail run as much on my own anymore. Um, yeah. and doing it in the dark gets to me. <laughs> as someone who tra- trail runs in the dark and is going to tomorrow, I'm, I, I feel you. It's every time. Like we, I, we've been in Colorado for seven years now and and my only time to go run is like before my kids wake up right but it's every single time that's in the back of my mind every time so that yeah that sounds terrifying did you did you end up going back out after you got back to the start or no we went on a day (laughs) we like took a nap and because we had an early start we took a nap and we went and um, did another mountain around Crested Butte instead. Wow. 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 That's yeah. That sounds terrifying. Um, and also it was probably just curious, like probably, yeah, but like, yeah. Them? What do you call them? To calm yourself. <laughs> the um, curious kitties. <laughs> the big cats. Yeah. Just a giant curious kitty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to know also just how, the Rainier Infinity Loop. How did it? Um, how did it humble you? You know, I'm imagining there were many moments that humbled you. Can you describe those moments? Um, well, I had a lot of moments that humbled me. <laughs> pretty much right off the bat, Abby kind of alluded to it, but um, well, I had this panic attack. We like decided to take a caffeine pill at the Ingram Flats, which is right before you go under the most like notorious overhead hazard on the disappointment cleaver route, which is the ice box, which is just like a Ciroc. Um, and then the bowling alley. Uh, and then you get onto the, the disappointment cleaver and we took caffeine pill crossed under it. And the last time I had been under the bowling alley, I got hit by like a football sized rock on the yeah. back of my neck and I was fine, but 
still spooked me. Terrifying. Yeah. Um, and like combination of that, maybe not sleeping so well the first night, um, just kind of like spun me out and I had to take a nap. I ended up puking like 18 times on the way to the summit. Um, the majority of that on the disappointment cleaver. But I think like for me at that moment, it was just like, I didn't know if we were even going to make one summit, yeah. um, let alone two and the, the Wonderland. Um, and so I think it put more of the objective, like how, like, it's not just one summit. It's not just one day. It feels like one day when I like think back on it, just because time was warped weirdly, but you know, it's almost a four day trip and it could have been over within hours. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it wasn't something that like we expected, not something we could have predicted. And, um, I know that with a different partner, it wouldn't have happened at all. Like we would have turned around and if Abby didn't know me as well, she wouldn't have known that like, I just needed to like, you know, take a little nap and, and some words of encouragement, uh, to get me to the top. And then we could like reset, um, so I think, you know, we've talked a lot about our partnership, but humbling, knowing that like there were certain points where like I needed that pep top and I needed it from Abby or like I needed something that only Abby as a partner could give me, um, whether it be, you know, a little bit of space, somebody to stick closer, a conversation, um, a reminder to eat some food, like any of those things, or like, just, I mean, honestly, like look at where we were. Cause there was like certainly times when I'm thinking about like the last like 15 miles where I was just like angry at what we were doing. And my body was just like, my feet hurt. I want to be closer. The trail is in a dumb, a dumb place. And I was like, it's so pretty. Look at the view. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It is pretty. <laughs> That's amazing. What about you, Abby? Uh, I think Kira put that really well. Uh, just that it felt like especially within the first section, just like from climbing Mount Rainier the first time and that first 30 miles, there were so many points on that first part that we thought that we were going to be done after it. Um, or even, yeah, just on that, that first climb and that like my knees were hurting on that run. Kira's knees were hurting on that run. Um, and so and those were, that was a section that I was like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. Like yeah. we're going to climb Mount Rainier and we're going to just run 30 miles. Like this will be fine. Um, and uh, then I was worried about like the 60 mile section after another climb. Um, so I think that like being knocked down like that early was definitely really humbling. Um, and then just throughout the rest of it as well, which like I was expecting it to um to hurt (laughs) but I didn't I didn't know like where like my our feet hurting as bad as they did um wasn't expecting that at all and so just like being humbled also like by the amount of knowledge that we had we knew that we were going to learn a lot going into it but I think that we learned we thought that we knew more going into it (laughs) yeah when your feet start hurting how do you handle that because I always find there's like two approaches where no one's saying anything no one wants to bring it up or the other approach is you just cuss out your feet nonstop. And somehow that makes you feel better. I don't know which, which, which approach did you all take? 
Well, think- luckily, oh, I was going to say, luckily, Abby and I are both complainers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and, and it's like, it's, t- I feel like it's tasteful complaining. Yeah. Um, where like, we have moments where there is no complaining and we just kind of suffer in silence. Um, but then often, you know, we kind of pile on and it's like a fun, it's a fun stress relieving tool that kind of like helps. And I think it's a communication tool ultimately is like, you can look at it as complaining or you can look at it as communicating with your partner. Like I am hurting right now. And like, you are also hurting and we're acknowledging each other's hurt. And like, one is not worse than the other. Um, We're like in the same boat and we're still going to move. Like we're still going to keep going instead of like with some partners I've had, it feels like I have to like suppress it. I'm like, my feet hurt so bad, but they haven't said anything. So like, I can't say anything because I don't want to be the weak link, but if (laughs) you level the playing field, then it's fine. And you like can make (laughs) that mental space for the suck it up. Yeah. I think you can also look at complaining, especially in an outdoors endurance adventure, you can look at it as an art form. You know, you can make some complaining turn into art all of a sudden. And you're, you're like, well, I'll never forget what I said about my feet, you know? (laughs) And that's when it becomes beautiful in my opinion. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. That's how I'm going to look at it from here on out. uh, You know, (laughs) Uh, cause I just remember I did an adventure race once and we were all so gung-ho about canoeing. We're like, oh, canoeing is going to be the best. And we we're in like Iowa. So, you know, we were looking forward to the canoeing part going down this river. And within about 10 minutes of sitting down in the canoe, we're like, dude, this kind of hurts our butts. And canoeing kind of sucks, huh? And we're like, yeah, the current is not taking us like I thought it would. And then it turned into like the funniest like three hours of my life. <laughs> And it was a good time, but, uh, but yeah, so I want to end with, uh, on a positive on this because obviously it was challenging and hard and you, you all are absolutely amazing for powering through and enduring. Um, but I want to hear how this trail and this mountain kind of inspires you because I want to hear about those moments, the moments of like inspiration and, and beauty of this really hard event. Yeah, I think that like there's just so much to do on Mount Rainier. Um, I'm originally from Washington. And yeah. so I have the like common story of like, I looked at this my whole life and I wanted to climb it. Um, and I like made it a goal to climb it before I graduated high school um, and got to do that with a guide service. Um, I was very lucky to have that experience. And then like to have so many memories on this mountain, um, good and bad. Uh is really special and then still like do what we did and um, still have things that I want to go and accomplish on different, different routes, um, see different parts of the park. We were walking through some of the trails that we were on and we were like, we need to come camping here. Like it's just a beautiful place to be. And then there's also still so many side trails. Like we made a joke at one point about going and bagging a peak that's right off of the, the trail, just because it's something that it's a peak that we look at a lot and something that we talk have talked about a lot. And so there's just so much to do. And I think that it just like inspires a lot more adventure, even after we climbed it twice and circumnavigated it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, totally. I I'm originally from Colorado, but I went to college out in Washington and I went to university of Puget town, which is in Tacoma. And you look right at the mountain when it's nice. And there's like, you know, people used to say, Oh, I'm living like the mountains out, which meant like it was <laughs> good it raining. And I, I think that like being able to work for so many years on that mountain in, in that national park is a really special thing. We have like a really tight knit community of guides and friends from RMI. And like Abby said, like, there's just so much to do in that park. Like we were like, as we were circumnavigating when the mountain was out, we're like, Oh yeah, love to go like climb that before it's out. We'd love to go climb that. I'd love to ski this objective Yeah. Oh, we're here on that, like one ski trip. Like you almost made it to this area, but you didn't quite like, where did you end up going? Um, and I also, I think it's like, it does inspire more adventure. Um, and I think at the same time, it's really cool to see, like before this, I hadn't done any part of the Wonderland trail. Um, and you know, I was either on like the main climbing routes primarily or in pretty remote parts of the park or just outside of the park, but to see all of the people on the Wonderland trail or at the parking lots with like all of the different forms of outdoor adventure and enjoyment and recreation, um, got me really excited about like other things. Like, I mean, like trail running, obviously, like I'm excited about that now. Yeah. Uh, but then backpacking, like Abby and I were talking about, like, we don't have to bring climbing gear. We could bring so much food. Like it would be <laughs> um, Or even like Mowich Lake, like there were people that were paddleboarding on that. And, you know, we got to talk and we're like, we should, you know, get into adventure paddleboarding and just hike to lakes and get in water. Um, and I even made a joke that like the next trip that Abby and I take, whatever it is, is going to be dedicated to just getting in bodies of water. Like you go from lake to river to lake to river, because on a, on an ultra run, especially on the infinity loop, you pass so much, like so many water sources, but you can't get in any of them. Otherwise you're going to start like chafing mm, or get yeah. cold or waste too much time. And it was like killing me at certain points. But like this one's so blue, I just want to jump in it. And I was like, nope, it's just moving. I'm with you. Just bodies of water in the mountains. Because back when I lived in Iowa, um, and I'd come to Colorado to visit, I always wanted to hike to the top of the mountains and all that stuff. And then as soon as I moved out here, it kind of shifted. And I'm like, I just want to hike to a lake in the middle of the mountains. Why would I go to the top? The top's cool, I guess, but. The lakes are like where it's at, you know? You're probably going to pass that lake on your way up and then jump in it on your way back down anyway. And so, what's going to be the best moment? The best moment is not going to be the summit of the mountain. It's going to be when you jump in the lake at the end. <laughs> um, to wrap up the whole entire story, what was the ending like for you all? It felt so fast. Like we got, we got to the end. Um, it was lovely. Like we got to see coworkers there. Um, my boyfriend was there and some of our other friends um, came so they, they could drive Kira's truck down. So we didn't yeah. drive super tired um, and they cheered for us and we um, just got to sit down finally, <laughs> <laughs> like for good. Yeah. Um, and th then after that, we just like, tried to take care of ourselves again as best we could like showering and rubbing tiger balm all over our bodies <laughs> um and so it felt like a 
and it still feel still feels like a huge accomplishment um but it still like just didn't feel real it's yeah. like wow we just did this massive thing and the only thing that really hurts are my feet <laughs> I think that it's an interesting thing to do an objective self-supported and and like this objective self-supported because at the end of it you don't have the finish line you don't have like the you know everyone's gathering that like participated and kind of celebrating um and we did have people that came and celebrated with us. We had people who came and mostly watched us eat a lot of food <laughs> after we finished. Um, but it wasn't, I don't, and I, I don't think I'd have it any other way, but it feels less final. Like there's less closure with it, which is I think partially, like I think I'm starting to get it. I think it's partially the allure of like doing ultra whatever it is we're calling this one ultra mountaineering um oh yeah it should be that's a genius term for it <laughs> um but is that like there's always another thing to accomplish and celebrate and you know we were celebrated by our coworkers and our friends and i feel like the biggest celebration thus far has been everyone's donations to the climber screen mm, fund yeah and i think that when we actually you know end up donating that chunk of money and like giving it over or sending over to the climbers grief fund, it'll feel like this chapter, or I expect it to feel like this chapter has like a little bit more closure than it does right now. Yeah. I yeah. totally agree. I think that like having, being able to like finally give all of that money to the climbing grief fund will definitely be like, okay, like that was, that's kind of the end of that objective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that you call it objectives. It sounds so cool. And it makes me think I should be way cooler. And next time I'm going to say objectives. I mean, you're you just have to call your grocery store tips objectives. You're like I'm going to Trader Joe's for a snack objective. <laughs> I, mean, I was literally about to say you just start calling grocery shopping. your <laughs> Some weeks, I'm not even joking, like with how busy everything is. Some weeks it does feel like a major accomplishment to go to the grocery store. Oh yeah. Um, you both are absolutely amazing. Thank you all for spending time telling your story. Uh, where can people follow along on your future objectives? I was going to say adventures, but I'm jumping in. I'm, I'm joining you with the objectives. Uh, where can they follow along with that? And where can, um, you know, people find the GoFundMe link? Uh, we both have Instagrams. And that's really like the main social media yeah. that we use. Um, we're not bloggers or anything. Um, and then our GoFundMe link is in both of our bios of our Instagrams right now. Okay. And I'll make sure to link those in the show notes and stuff. But if you want to say what they are here, you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you don't have to mine, either. Okay. Yeah. Mine is just Abby West. So A-B-B-Y-W-W-E-S-T. Nice. Well, really don't like that you spelled it for everybody because now I have to. Yeah, you got to spell it. So good luck on the spelling test. Um, well, mine is at Kiki Riki, which is K-I-K-I-I-I-R-I-K-I-I-I. -I -I I'll link it in the show notes. That'll uh, <laughs> uh, Abby and Kira, thank you so much for coming on. And I would love to have you both on again in the future um, at some point. Thank you so much for having us. This has been awesome and we would love to be back.
Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. It was great talking with you. All right, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Uh, huge thanks to Kira and Abby for coming on, talking with me, sharing some stories. Um, that is a fascinating endeavor that they took on and all the props to them. Um, I went out this weekend and hiked up a 14er and it wasn't, it definitely wasn't one of the most challenging 14ers or anything like that. Um, and it definitely was not on the scale of Mount Rainier either. Um, but you just remember how challenging mountain miles are, you know, like once you're going up a mountain, those miles are really, really difficult. And then once you're going up a mountain, like Mount Rainier, I have to imagine that just compounds into something incredibly, incredibly challenging. Um, so props to them. That's amazing. Uh, I will say I've been checking out the climbing grief fund online uh through the american alpine club it is really 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 a wonderful program so if you can um I i'm gonna put a link in the show notes here please support that um and if you're just in need of any sort of mental health help make sure you know reaching out and getting the help that you need uh and you know if it has something to do with adventure or climbing or or anything like that um this is an absolutely wonderful program so uh highly suggest that and and really um would encourage you to support uh abby and kira's gofundme for that um because like i said i think it's just a really wonderful program and it's a wonderful reason that they were out there. Um, and then also, you know, we talked about communication, just an adventure, but if you're like struggling in any form or fashion, like mental health wise communication, like getting help is, is all about communication also, you know? Um, so often it's like what's going on in your head no one's going to know that unless you're communicating. If you're really struggling with with something, unless you go out and communicate it to somebody, no one's going to know. So um, so definitely go out there, uh, get the help you need um, and all of that. So, And also, oh, I would also suggest this. Uh, both Abby and Kira appeared on... Um, single track podcast and it was absolutely wonderful so go check that out support them um but yeah that's it that wraps up this week's episode of the like a bigfoot podcast uh come back next week you are going to hear a story about a couple that spent their summer canoeing down the mississippi river uh, and i was so excited all summer to be able to sit down and interview interview them so uh, it's a really good one. Uh, they go past my hometown, Muscatine, Iowa, shout out, uh, on their way to Nolens, Nolens. But, uh, but yeah, so come back for that one and we'll be back at you next week.